0: Preacher, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your sermons just hypnotize me. Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. (laughs) I'm your co-host Daniel Eisenberg. And I'm
1: your co-host Ben Siebert.
0: Each week we take a look at the text, we talk about those texts, and then we offer up a special musical offering related to those texts.
1: These texts for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost include Isaiah chapter 25 verses 1 through 9. Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 and Matthew chapter 22 verses 1
0: Time for some Jazz Odyssey where we will look at the text in quite a freeform way. Jazz Odyssey is the part of the show when we talk about the text in a freeform way. So what do you got, Ben? What are you thinking about these many delicious texts?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good things going on. Um, and this I mean, this is not the place I think a lot of people go. But I'm just so struck by the way that time is being played with um, in all of these parables uh, or not all these parables, but this parable and then all of these lessons. Um, in Isaiah, we have this kind of like uh, future prophecy um, based on in, in verse 24 and in 25, um, who they have been, they haven't always been that, right? And so I, I think. Uh, I I should say, both the past and the future are kind of being prophesied at the same time. Like God is announcing both who they're going to be in short order and who they're going to be in long term. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with this parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who gave a wedding banquet. And so already we're kind of telling a story that we assume takes place in the past. Um, But it's, it's very much a look into the future. It's a look into um, what we are going to be and what we're becoming. Hmm. Um, I, I think, I think for many of us, we assume that we're on some kind of like linear path inside of the timeline, and this kingdom of God has yet um, to come here to be near. Um, but God keeps pointing backwards mm. mm-hmm. for our future. Um, and in the in a church where progressively we've we've come to say repeatedly uh we can't move backwards it's not going to be the 60s anymore you know the church needs to grow and shape and be reformed and all that is true it is also wrong i think to jettison our past entirely Mm -hmm. as if god was never there or the kingdom of god never came near
0: oh yeah and like i'm seeing a theme especially in philippians i think you get a bit more of the the hope theme uh, and so yeah. it's very much like the time that we have spent hoping and yearning for a different future, a better future, has shaped what those hopes will look like. Um, and so, yeah, it's reflecting on where we've been and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And how has God, how, what is the trajectory of all of that?
1: Yeah. And, and how do we sort out in our past and in our present uh, the moments where the kingdom of God has come near and the moments where we have put something else on a pedestal besides the kingdom of God?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that is very difficult to do, especially in the past. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a break
0: from like an, an exceeding of our expectations. I feel like, especially in the Isaiah reading though, mm-hmm. like I think for me, what's sort of the, the crescendo of that passage is when God says, um, God will destroy on this mountain, the shroud that's cast over all peoples. Uh, and then verse eight, God will swallow up death forever. Like I love this mm. image of big dinner banquet and God is going to eat death that's what God is feeling hungry for this evening uh, and it just I don't know it's just such a stark shake you up kind of image I really like it
1: yeah yeah and and, and even more so um, this really powerful movement uh, throughout throughout the earth <clears throat> god is reshaping not just um israel but god is reshaping nations and reshaping um land and reshaping so many things
0: yeah i like that it's a that that reshaping is so powerful and like not to disparage the psalm 23 which is also a sign for this day it's not just mm-hmm. you get to eat a good meal in front of your enemies like you have the victory you have the the comfort and the assurance like that's all good and that's powerful but like even death is going to be swallowed up and all peoples are going to be gathered at this table um mm-hmm. it, it's just it's really cool it just i don't know it turns it to 11 i guess you could say <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, and even like you said, uh, in verse uh, verse, Psalm 23, um, that's paired with this, uh, these texts, we be, we are being shaped by it as it, as we experience it. Because I hear this Psalm most frequently in times of want, in times of draining, in times of places where it feels like either our enemies or the experiences of the world prepare to overtake us Mm -hmm. how many times have i heard this at the grave
0: yeah yep
1: and how many times have i heard this in sickness and how many times have i heard this in the places where no these things that we are being promised by god and we look forward to from god are not immediately recognizable in our presence and yet they are just by the very hope that this brings
0: yeah that that hope seems to be a theme running through Mm-hmm. like i really like verse 9 is really good i think definitely gets at that whole looking back and looking forward uh theme that you were lifting up this is mm-hmm. our god we've waited for god so that god might save us like pointing out the the longing that has taken place for so long and then the philippians reading kind of does that too especially toward the end of that reading there's a lot of images of like just like it, the rejoice, again, I say rejoice, I think is definitely, like, in the midst of all the crap that's going on. Like, keep at it. Like, it's, it's a word of encouragement, not just of, uh, like, hollow platitudes.
1: And when we dive into the gospel, there are... How do I say it? There are moments of hope but really specific hope, you know? Um, <laughs> we, we might be tempted to hear that the kingdom of God is compared to a wedding banquet uh, who's very, um, very open with all kinds of uh, invitation. And then that's just kind of where we leave it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, stop at verse 10. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, it's like 11 through 14 definitely throws me for a loop. And I think definitely merits some discussion uh, because it's out there. Like I don't, I don't know. What do you? What are your thoughts on especially those last few verses?
1: Well, I think the last few verses don't let us get away from verse six, right? Um, so many times we want the invitation to be just so easy and so simple and of course who could possibly reject it and we see that in luther and we see that in so many types of uh denominations and churches and congregations today that when the when the offer of the kingdom of god is there no one rejects it but that's not true at Mm -hmm. all everyone rejects it Mm -hmm. (laughs) we reject it And, and until we we really get down to admitting that we don't love everything that comes in the kingdom of God. Because we're parts of systems that aren't of the kingdom of God. We're parts of people that aren't of the kingdom of God. Parts of us aren't of the kingdom of God until we admit that we reject it. We're never going to go anywhere.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so there's part of us that want to be like 11, 12, 13 and 14, where we want to come into the banquet but we don't want to be of the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It's just
1: like, I a like it yeah,
0: it's just like. I,
1: I want to keep waltzing around without being the kingdom of God. I want this to be a God that's so, so gracious and so merciful that God gets walked over. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but like, I feel like. It, there's so many things that just don't make sense about this. Like, the wedding's ready, verse uh, 8, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, uh, invite everybody. And then uh, verse 10, both the good and the bad. The worthy aren't being invited still, but they show up. And like, I don't know. It mm. feels very heavy grace, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then the king does an about face and is like, "Wait, wait, wait! You're not wearing the right clothes. You're not wearing the wedding robe." And I know, like, there's something deeper to discipleship and all of that. His reaction is a little bit excessive for me, like the weeping in the yeah. Teeth. I feel like. If you crashed a wedding, you would like, I don't know, kick them out or I don't know, call it out or something like that. You wouldn't hogtie them and throw them into hell. Like that seems like a bit much for like and on a wedding that you were invited to, too. You're just not wearing the right clothes. And I get that there's probably some sort of... Um, Deeper historical thing to it. I just I don't know.
1: But but this the, but it's not okay, Dan, for people to come to the wedding. I, I'm I, normally I'm with you, but I don't know what's in me today. But I got to say, it's not okay for people to to never accept what's going on. You're in a wedding banquet. Like, at some point, why don't you try to be a part of the wedding banquet instead of making the wedding about you, you know? Imagine, how do I say this? This this is the God of heaven and earth, right? This is the God that keeps up for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the alien. This is the God uh, that we've we just heard in Isaiah um acknowledges and lifts up a city that's been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the nitty in their distress, a shelter in a rainstorm from the shade and the heat." All that kind of good stuff. And now imagine that the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the alien have also been invited into this kingdom. And God's there, and the people are there, and there's this guy walking around that just doesn't care about the poor, Mm -hmm. the widow, the orphan, and the alien. There's this guy that's walking around that just doesn't care about all this. and. And for some reason we want god to turn to the poor the widow the orphan and the alien and say well this one's exempt Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and and like what kind of god would do that
0: yeah and like so i think if the interpretation is that that's fine like And trying to think about it contextually with the religious leaders and Jesus busting into the temple and you've made my father's house a den of thieves and all that stuff. Like the The criticism is you come in here, you pretend to be so holy, you do the right rituals, but then you turn around and do whatever you want and just fill your own pockets and you exploit the poor. You do all these bad things and God's not going to stand for it. If you are able to hold on to that throughout this and say hey, this is the leadership who've showed up. Like, they've received grace to be here, but then they don't even, you know, they turn their back on the poor, the widow, the orphan. They're not really a part of the wedding party. Like, they're just here for the appearance of showing up here. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that this passage, I've often heard it, uh, and this, like, may be my own stuff, uh, but I think others have been there too, is, like, it gets attached to being good enough in the sense of, like, I'm going to avoid sin, and I'm going to go to church enough, and I'm going to, like, sort of those classic, like, personal piety things. Like, I must, you know, wear the appropriate clothes for this. And that I have a problem with. I think that that's messed up big time. Um, and yeah,
1: it depends on what side of the experience we're mm-hmm. sitting on, doesn't it? If if we consider ourselves to be the ones that God is sticking up for, then hooray, hooray! God threw out the one that wasn't willing to wasn't willing to get on board with the kingdom of God. But if we consider ourselves the one that's being accepted being invited in uh, to this banquet, even as we are unworthy. Then we become scared as if there is a line that we have to somehow ascend to in order to stay at the banquet.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I just, I struggle with this one a lot. I I think that there's a lot going on that like you kind of have to tread very not lightly but just very intentionally there's just a lot of legwork to do to get with like well what is the robe and if the robe is the Mm -hmm. appearance of your personal piety then you've kind of fallen into the opposite intention Uh, and i just feel like that's usually where we fall
1: no i i I agree and even when i've heard the robe preached Mm -hmm. as a baptismal garment um it can still fall into that label of personal piety. Like, are you doing the things that are supposed to be Mm -hmm. a part of your baptism? But there's tension here, right? Because there's things we are supposed Mm -hmm. to do. The person is supposed to wear a robe. That is an action. That is a work. That's a behavior. Like, there's no way around this not being something that the individual Mm -hmm. is supposed to be doing. And as Lutherans, we want to run away from that with every Mm -hmm. fiber of our being. And, now this might not seem like good news to the people who are about to be thrown out. Uh, 13, while it has the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, it has being bound hand and foot. We're not Mm -hmm. dead. Life isn't taken away yeah unless we think that part of the story uh, wouldn't go there we see that life is taken away earlier we see that life is taken away before the slaves were mistreated and killed before
0: yeah I, I i also like i know he's not being killed but then i think that's like has often been interpreted as this is about eternal punishment you know you are conscious and forever experiencing it you don't just get annihilated or whatever and i think that's what i'm afraid of because i think a lot of people and i think a lot of preachers have said this is a big warning watch out if you're not found with enough fruits on your christian tree you're gonna go to hell like it's not even enough that you believe in God. It's not enough that you've received this grace. It's not enough that you've been baptized. Like you need to live out those fruits, and if you don't, you will be punished for eternity. Um, I think that's the other part that kind of gets me on this. Um, if Jesus is being hyperbolic, that's cool. But like, how do you explain that in a sermon? Be like, well, Jesus didn't actually mean that. He was just Hmm. think of the effect as opposed to what he's actually saying. He's trying to, you know, inspire you and to um, motivate you or what have you. But it's just a hard sell to say, well, maybe Jesus just didn't mean it. Um, He may very well not have (laughs) and like have been using a rhetorical device, but it's just really hard to do in a, you know, 12 minute sermon or whatever.
1: And what I'll say is there is... i, I I'll go with the punishment that's here. I just won't go with the eternal mm-hmm. nature of it. And, and I think we can see that earlier inside uh, Isaiah. I think we can see that earlier inside of um, Philippians. I think we can find places where God indeed has a reaction of if not punishment, disappointment, at the very least, when we aren't doing the things we're supposed to oh, be yeah. doing. yeah, and,
0: like, the, the, the prophets in general are full of that. It's always, like, and I know I just talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but, like, it's always on my mind of just they're all or nothing. God is mad at the things you've done, the way you've turned from me, the way you've followed after idols, the way that you've exploited and turned your back on the poor, the widow, the orphan, and there's not going to be anything left. God is so mad. There's going to be invading armies. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be, you know, famine. There's going to be like, you're going to be miserable and everything's going to be destroyed. Also... (laughs) Mm -hmm. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and no one will be punished for the sins of their parents. And also that the river Mm -hmm. will be flowing out of the temple of Jerusalem and there will be trees of life Mm -hmm. and every side of it. Like all these like incredibly beautiful, graceful images and it's just all or nothing. And it's really Mm -hmm. hard to be like, I don't know. You just get fixated on one or the other. And like, there's real judgment and there's real grace
1: yeah I wonder I wonder about this. I believe that we have a God that's slow to anger but never not er, but not never angry. Mm-hmm. however however many negatives I can put in that sentence, I'll put them in. Um, but we have we have a God that actually does have specific things that God wants us to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: And while God is overwhelmingly patient in death and in murder and in all kinds of rejection of what's going on god is not forever patient god has a priority towards the poor the widow the orphan the alien the sick and in the those in need and it's not okay to walk all over the foretaste of the feast to come assuming that we will be forever exempt from these expectations it's just not
0: yeah yeah i think like i definitely think so i think that there are consequences and god's justice will reign and that means that the poor will be lifted up and the mighty will be cast down from their thrones and all of that um I just think that the wedding robe interpretation needs to be very carefully laid out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Otherwise, I think people who are already beaten down and people who are already hurting and experiencing shame will be like, oh, but did I remember to put on my robe? Yeah, And that's what I'm afraid
1: of. I have a strong feeling that the ones who are already wearing the robe will be worried that they didn't put it on correctly. Mm -hmm. And the ones that had no intention of ever wearing the robe will help perpetuate that for everybody else. Yep. You know?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Should we turn it to 11? Uh, Let's do it. when you're playing as loud as you can, you've got it all the way up to 10, but you want to go a little louder. This one goes up to 11. (laughs) So, uh, so kind of jumping off of where we were just talking about, especially in the gospel reading, I think where I'm turning up to 11 is the question, who is your God? Hmm. Um, And, and I think it gets at, there are a couple of different ways I was thinking about interpreting this and I've gone back and forth. Um, but I think it goes to what is that robe? Um, and is your God, the one who says all are welcome come here, but, you know, if you don't believe the right things and if you don't, uh, put forth the, the, the ways of faith that are often interpreted as like personal piety if you don't pray the right way and if you don't know enough about scripture and if you don't look a certain way if you're not wearing the right kind of church clothes and conform yourself to the way that we do things then you get banished to the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth that's not that's not our god uh, and uh, should be rejected if that's how this parable is interpreted um, and so that's Sort of something about that. Um, And I think, sort of going with that, uh, I think can also be a question for the church. Uh, You know, we have on many a sign, all are welcome. And that's a great and good sentiment. But what's the point where we say, all are welcome, but you got to wear the right kind of robes? And if you're not wearing the robes and look like us, if that's the interpretation we go with with robes, then, you know, really, we're going to kind of backhandedly kick you out to the outer darkness. Uh, That's a church that we should reject as well. Um, But God really does welcome us, really does invite us into this wedding banquet, um, good and bad alike. um, And. I I like the baptismal garment as the the robe. I think that's a pretty good interpretation. Uh, It's living out this life. And that's what it means to really be a part of this church.
1: My crank it to 11 is focusing on the robe. And so the robe, um, and and I might get scared off of this idea, but the robe is one of those things where, where it's trying to mark us With the holy spirit and seal us with the cross or seal us with the holy spirit being mark us with the cross of christ the same as our baptisms you know and our baptisms come with expectation they are freely given and never taken away but they're also marks of expectation we're supposed to be people of god not just people of whoever we want to follow in the world so what does it look like to be people of god well there's places where we try to separate ourselves from the world in ways that are wrong and backwards and just kind of insider dealings in the past we've tried to make uh, being a person of god an issue of sexual orientation or an issue of race or an issue of finance or an issue of so many of those things and god really doesn't care about any of those but starts to care about those when we hurt each other in issues of sexual orientation or race or finance or anything else. The God that helps us bear our baptismal garment is the God who is a refuge to the poor and a refuge to the needy, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. We need to understand that we are a part of God's wedding banquet This is not a wedding banquet made for us to walk around and do whatever we want and act however we want which is not something that we're used to it makes us feel like we're trying to be conformed to something it makes us feel like we're trying to be pushed into something and i want to say no and yes at the same time god is trying to push us into something but god's trying to push us into something good god is very very patient but not patient to the point that the poor the widow the orphan and the alien are going to get run over like there is expectation in the kingdom of god and we see it here and we're scared of it but it doesn't go away that's where i am i could get scared off of it i don't know
0: yeah Nah, it's good good things to consider yeah Kids spot yeah All right, it's time for Kids bop. when we take all your favorite hits and make them a little bit more kid-friendly.
1: So what do you got for Kids KidSpot? Well, I thought of doing a simple game, whether it be Simon Says or I Spy or anything else that we would normally learn, and then I w- thought I would plant somebody who's not willing to play by the rules in the game. Mm-hmm. So someone, uh, if we're doing... Um, Simon says, someone who's just, you know, moving wherever they want, never really being out, you know, just not paying attention to what's going on. If we're doing I Spy, someone who is guessing when it's not their turn or taking too much time and then to talk about it. What's it like when somebody's just doing whatever they want? Does it make the game fun? Does it make the game less fun? In today's story, we have someone who's doing whatever they want. It's a wedding and everybody else is trying to participate and be a part of it. It's okay for us to be different. It's okay for us to have different experiences and different things that we do, but it's really not okay for us to only think about ourselves the entire time. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good illustration. I feel like I've, uh, like when I was a kid, I'd get frustrated if somebody was cheating and they didn't get caught.
1: Yeah especially like any game where you have to keep your eyes closed oh man Mm -hmm. there's going to be tension
0: uh for my kids bop i think i'm focusing more on the isaiah passage and to another extent i guess the psalm 23 passage about um asking the kids what was your favorite meal ever and like You know, maybe it's Thanksgiving dinner or maybe it was the pizza party that they had or whatever, like that type of thing. And then um, to sort of tease that out a little bit and say, what made it so good? And, you know, my guess is going to be like, oh, my favorite food is pizza or whatever. That's kind of how I go. But like to tease it out a little more, like what made it special? You know, what if you had your favorite food, but you were eating it all alone? Would it be uh, as special? Would it be as exciting? Or what if you were super sad, something sad happened, and there was no one to help you cheer you up, and you were eating by yourself? Or what if you were angry about something? And all those type of things. And then to be like, well, you know, we have this story of God making the best meal with the best food and the best drink. Uh, And then also being there with us and gathering all sorts of people together and wiping away our tears to encourage us when we're sad and all these wonderful things. And like, that's what makes a special meal is this reminder of how much we're loved. And um, that's what God does for us. And that's what we strive to do for the church, that everybody can have what they need and can feel loved and together. So kind of my thought.
1: Yeah. What I do like about it is it focuses on the positive aspects of the meal instead of only what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. With
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. idea. Mixtape? Let's do it. You know, Ben, that reminds me of a song. Nice. So I've chosen a song by Laura Marling called You're No God. Uh, so <laughs> definitely preaching against those, um, a message that's preaching against those God really wants just like the nitty gritty and it's like gonna throw you out in a second into eternal punishment. And like all those bad, troublesome uh, interpretations of this text that just cause fear rather than hope and encouragement uh, to say, No, that's no God. You're no God. If that's who God is, then that's not right. Um, and uh, some of the lyrics go, but we will never leave this place. We need never feel alone. We will learn to feel quite clean in this new skin that we've grown because our young and healthy bones would never lead us astray." Uh, And I really like that um, sort of a pre-chorus that uh, happens throughout the song um, because it's all about like, I don't know, like, the rejection of we will, especially that line, we will learn to feel quite clean. Uh, and I think that sometimes this passage can just be like, oh, I'm never good enough. Like, I'm never clean enough for God. I'm never wearing the right kind of robe. Um, but that's not who God is. God is full of grace and mercy. Um you know calling us to service uh, but also abounding in steadfast love and if we think god is just looking for ways where we can fail and so god can just itching to throw us into the outer darkness that's not the case in fact this story is the opposite like god invites a bunch of people who reject god and then says okay let's get some more people like it's it's Hmm. the opposite so you're no god that's what i went with
1: And that really kind of sets us up for attention to how we see our own selves in the story. Do we keep putting ourselves like just immediately on the shoulder of God as God acts throughout all of these? Or are we actually listening to God speaking to us? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How
1: about you? What do you got? Well, I went with uh, third eye blinds. How's it going to be? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I've selected this or not, um, but it is something that kind of gets stuck in my head every once in a while. Um, What I really like about this song is, it's a song about kind of uh, a relationship on the rocks. There's probably a a breakup about to go down at some point, and the singer is just kind of contemplating, like, what happens to this relationship when we're separated? What happens to us um, when the time that we spend over and over day after day with one another is no longer there what's it gonna be like as a as he goes into the bridge she just kind of starts singing and screaming how's it gonna be when you don't know me anymore how's it gonna be And there's this immediate reaction to want to get back to the relationship, back to the place, back to the the places of familiarity and of comfort. And I hear a lot of this in our tension with the text and in our tension with God. Whenever God starts asking us to be a specific way or to do a specific thing, we're like, well, God, I thought you were going to be a God that's gracious and merciful forever and ever and love us no matter what. And God keeps turning to us with this yes and, Hmm. like, yes, I do love. And I want us to be like God, Hmm. you know? I I want this to be different. And the relationship hits attention and hits consistently uh, this this moment of, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it through? Um, How's it going to be? both for ourselves with God, ourselves with other relationships, when we change, when things are different, when things just aren't the way that they were before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of a nice, um, it, it reminds me in, in kind of a funny way, a lot of what we were talking about at the very beginning of our conversation uh, where you were bringing up sort of the, um, the, yeah. the past being a, uh, almost a, I apologize if I'm putting words in your mouth but almost like a vehicle of hope for the future mm-hmm. um, and just sort of seeing that in those lyrics as well yeah, oh, yeah. how's it going to be yeah well well I think that's going to do it for us over here at Lectionary Mixtape join us next week as we talk about the 20th Sunday after Pentecost
1: It was fun talking with you today. We'll see you next week. Bye.